Hey, hey, this is John Goldman, and you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. We're at uh, Radio Harbor Country, 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and uh, that's WRHC, and then WRHZ, 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Uh, Johnny's Secret Stash is underwritten by Kara's Cottages, one of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs. Kara's Cottages are within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and some of Michigan's most beautiful walking trails. Additional information at karascottages.com. That's Karas and Cottages with a K. Well, I am extra thrilled today to welcome Jack Adams with me, St. Joe Jack. Uh, Jack, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for having me, John. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you brought your guitar with you. Um, hopefully we'll get to hear a song later on. Oh, definitely. Um, uh, so you, uh, you're a guitarist and a singer and a songwriter too. Uh, and you've been playing in the area for, uh, many years, I would assume. Uh, Oh yeah. Years. I don't even think I could really count them anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Roughly 10. And so, um, uh, do you, uh, you know, your guitar uh, playing. When did you first start playing guitar? Well, um, when I first started playing guitar, I was originally playing viola in a middle school orchestra, (laughs) and I must have been about 11 or 12. And that, I mean, I feel like I enjoyed it, and I, I liked music in that setting, but mostly out of that setting. And I, I, just always wanted to rock and roll all night and party all day. That hard to do that with a, hard to do with a viola though. Um, for well, that's what I thought, but yeah. now I'm like, holy cow! There, I mean, I've at least within uh, like a lot of jazz, gypsy jazz, the way people uh-huh. play a violin and that or bluegrass, bluegrass for sure. Yeah, Ooh, that that has completely blew my mind, but um, that. Uh, really gave me a better understanding of music, and I, I think it helped me pick up the guitar a little bit better. And um, Were you playing, playing guitar before playing viola and uh, went back to it, or um, as part of playing viola, you learned how to play guitar? Um, I think I picked them both up at about the same time, and I stopped playing the viola so I could really crack down on the guitar and... Uh, it wasn't until COVID I actually busted it back out because I was just curious oh, yeah. to see if I if I could still hock out a couple tunes and it you know it's just something that it's another thing that I can just keep on workshopping and practicing and incorporate when I can and yeah so was that the viola is that the kind of thing that they had you playing in school um, when I went to school they you know gave you a choice of like you know stringed instruments or you could play like the trombone or the trumpet. Uh, and, but you weren't allowed to play the guitar. They didn't offer guitar. They didn't offer, um, I don't even think they had people playing piano. It was like, you know, the band and, and they had, they kept it limited to these, you know, instruments that you had to rent from, you know, some place down the road kind of place. Uh, is that kind of how it was in your school where they said, okay, well, you know, everyone's going to be in band and everyone's got to learn how to play an instrument. It was something kind of like that. I mean, not everybody had to, but um, I I chose the viola, 
And uh, ever since I did that, I kept on pushing the line. I was like, oh, you sure you don't need a guitar for this? <laughs> and um, that they switched me to uh, an upright bass oh, for, that's fun. for a year. And then they were like, oh, you know, we do need a drummer so we could show you how to play drums. And I was like, oh, all right, yeah, say no more. <laughs> and um, so on top of playing viola, I did incorporate some guitar and learned the technique for a couple other instruments out of it and um i don't think i fully appreciated that at the time but now um i think it was it was great and it it's yeah. taken me pretty far it seems like uh people that are you know have really become good with their instrument it's just a matter of time i mean everybody starts out at the same unable to do anything and it's just a matter of putting in the time putting in the effort and you got to I think if you really love it, if you're enjoying what you're doing, then you put in the practice time and you, you know, you're not being bugged to practice by your mom and stuff like that. And that's the difference between people that become musicians and people that don't yeah. it gets, gets figured out pretty quickly when you're, you know, 10, 11 years old. And that's, you know, usually the time when they, they get you to sit down and, and learn how to play the violin or cello or whatever it is at that time. Yeah. Uh, so were you um, taking uh, guitar lessons on the side after while also taking viola lessons? Um, well, or you just kind of figured it all out by yourself. I did do a lot of figuring out on myself and I was just really motivated to perform any way I could. And um, so I, I did wind up taking a handful of lessons and what I what I really wanted to do was after I went to my first open mic, I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do is, is just keep on learning songs and write my own songs as well. And um, I just started going to all these open mics and like getting to jam with with a couple of the, the veteran open micers around right. the St. Joe, Benton Harbor area. And... Um, and I, you know, by the time I was in high school, I, I set the viola aside and I was just playing guitar. And by then I was um, on my way to booking gigs at bars and stuff. And I like I had my wow. parents drive me there because yeah. I wasn't old enough to be there alone. Um, but then, I mean, it was something I always stuck with. And uh, now I've from playing like. I mean, I feel like even then it, I was playing like every weekend and now it's like trying to fill up the weekdays in between really? the weekends. Wow. So where, where was your first open mic? That must have been quite the experience, you know, that kept you going. It, was a, it wasn't a total failure because you kept doing it. So uh, that must have been kind of fun. Where did you first do it? Um, I'm, I got two places. Um, and the, the very first place... Um, it used to be called Vitali's and it was downtown St. Joe is like this Italian sub sausage place. And, um, they had open mics on like Tuesdays or something like that. And I must've been like 12, 13 or something really? like that. I started going out to those and hanging out and getting to meet the people. And, um, I, I went there so often that they were like, Hey, do you just want to like, play on uh, the weekends or something like that for a couple hours that's cool <laughs> and um so i i started doing that and um then uh the open mic at the livery oh yeah and, um, that, that was a great one yeah like back back in the heyday that was like every monday and um 
there's just such an awesome music community like in this area that um that is i mean it's thriving definitely i I totally agree so when you did the livery open mic was that when venetia was uh, running the open mic program there um you know i don't think i remember her or um i remember there was a different host every week oh okay okay and um like sometimes there'd be bands that showed up and then sometimes it was just a lot of like acoustic guys uh-huh. and um but i always remember it being a really good time and it like the, you know it used to be every week and then it started to turn into a once a month thing and the like each month was just massive cuz everybody wanted to yeah. get on there right right that that interest is just everyone's waiting for the time to be able to play it's not like you know they had to oh am i going to make it this week or whatever but once a month, that that really brings people in, I'll bet. Yeah. So uh, going from open mic, and then you got your first paying gig. When, when did that happen? How did, what was the circumstances there? Um, I mean, the, the, the Vitalis thing was one. I mean, I was a kid playing music, and yeah. they, um, they saw that, and they were like, yeah, you know, come on down. We'll, we'll hook you up, and you can do this every weekend if you want. Um, there is an, uh, this other restaurant. It's now called 221 Main. Oh, yeah, sure. And at the time, it was called Players. And I remember uh, we were there getting dinner one night, and I just walked right up to the manager, and I was like, hey, do you guys ever do music here? Do you want do you want me to come down and play? And they were like, like I don't know what they were <laughs> thinking, but they were like, yeah, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> and, um, That's great. So that that was really like the defining moment because then i you know it's um from playing 15 minute slots to three hours oh you know, man it, yeah like, i had to beef it up, up for and, your repertoire <laughs> come up with a, a longer set list and uh all that kind of stuff yeah do you so um were you in that early stage were you playing uh other people's songs were you playing your own songs you know what kind of stuff were you doing um i had a good mix i mean i feel like i still have a good mix of of originals and covers um when i when i started i was doing a lot of cat stevens and buddy holly and um a lot of like older older music and um and pre-classic rock (laughs) pre yeah pre-classic rock. i mean I, i think i was doing some Jimi hendrix and grateful dead then too um and uh I feel like now, I mean, there, the the mix is, I think there's a lot more originals now, and um, there's a lot more, like, jazz standards in the mix, and I try to incorporate some bluegrass songs, and really, I just try to make it fun. I mean, a lot of it, I mean, some of it is just, like, completely improvised, and, like, there is no clue in my mind what's going to happen, and um, a lot of that is because the the looper that I use, and it it just creates this atmosphere that I, I feel like I'm dancing in my head. And when the people, <laughs> when the people are receiving it too, and they're all dancing, it makes uh, it it's fun, just a great sure. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about a looper. Uh, are you setting down um, like songs then then you can play back and play over that? Is that uh, what a looper is? Yeah. Um, it's a device where um, you tap your foot and it starts recording anything that you're doing, uh, 
I, I got a microphone hooked up so I can like it records the sound that uh huh okay and um I got all these garage sale instruments that I can tap and shake into it oh fuck and um and uh and then my guitar's running in there too so I can just kind of lay down a little phrase and play over that um and just keep on creating songs and different different atmospheres with it so uh it sounds like some of your influences were some of my influences too, you know, Jimi Hendrix and the Grateful Dead. And uh, what other kind of songs were you listening to when you were growing up and learning you know, how to play? What were your influences? Um, growing up and listening to music, there was always, it was always whatever was on the radio and whatever was in the car. Mm-hmm. And we, we had uh, in the dark, by Grateful Dead in the car, uh, yeah. like all all the time. Um, there is, a, you know, like I, I think Jimmy Buffett gets a lot of heat, um, but I like after listening to more than like just the Margarita. Yeah, stuff, yeah, he's, like, he's, he's like, runs pretty deep. I mean, you know, people know some of those some of those like drunken sing along songs, but you <laughs> know, he's great. he's a legitimate <laughs> musician for sure. He's been playing a long time. You know, that's no accident. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's great. Um so I I mean between that um I mean Buddy Holly and Elvis were a huge influence. Oh yeah, cool. And um I I just loved I loved the the energy that Elvis had and and um like all the songs that Buddy Holly had and um and the Beach Boys too with all their harmonies and um uh, that I think those were some of my first. Oh, and of course, Weird Al. Weird Al, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get enough of Weird Al. <laughs> That's really kind of out in left field, you know. Like here's you know some traditional kind of music and and uh, you know old classic kind of stuff, and then Weird Al Yankovic, who's yeah. uh, you know um, uh, kind of um, pirating other people's songs and making them into uh, sarcastic uh, parodies. Yeah, but he, yeah, I mean, he's pretty talented, and he's still around. I think he was like at the Mendel Center, um, like within the last year. I want to say I can believe. No, that. does that sound familiar? Is that, am I just making <laughs> that up? I thought I remember that he was coming to town, and uh, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, that'd be a crazy yeah. show to go to because he. I mean, he actually <laughs> plays accordion. <laughs> yeah, like right. He is a real musician, and you know, he's obviously a talented parody writer. Uh, yeah. But he's really playing that, and he's you know coming up with these goofy uh, versions of stuff. I mean, he's got, and, and he seems to be the only one still left doing that. You know, that was like a real genre for a while. There was a, that whole radio show, Doctor Demento. Oh yeah, and um, you know there are all these parody songs, and I don't you don't hear about those too much anymore. I don't know if Doctor Demento is still out there, but uh, if he is, he, maybe he knows more. Maybe he's playing more parody songs that I know about. But uh, so Weird Al Yankovic is a, is a big fan. You're a big fan of his, too. I, yes. Cool. Guilty. Guilty is charged. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know that you're writing songs. Uh, when's the, you know, what kind of, what was, how, what was the first song you wrote? Like, how did that come about? How did you decide, hey, I'm going to, I think I'm going to write a song. You know, wh- what happened? Um, You know, I, a lot of them just kind of come out of the blue. And uh, the first song I ever wrote was called Rasta Man. And um, I, I don't have it officially uh, released at all because I 
I feel like I've like moved on yeah. um, from that, but it, I was listening to a lot of Bob Marley at the time, and I I felt like I was just writing this song for Bob, cool. <laughs> and um, that that was one of the first songs I wrote, and um, I wrote it as a reggae, but now I play it as a bluegrass, and I I feel like I can just kind of change it any way I want, and and um, one of these days I'm going to be recording it and putting it out on on one of these future albums yeah yeah do. so have you done a lot of recording um you know i've done enough recording but i i haven't done a lot okay um, well that was a that was kind of a strange question anyway but uh you've uh you've recorded music and have you um issued any albums um i have two eps on um on uh spotify and they're each like um four or five songs uh-huh and um, one of them, uh, the first one I did, it's called Snack Pack because I figured it's just like a little taste test or yeah. sample of, yeah, of everything one. that I got. And, um, you know, it's just kind of got these goofy little songs that I wrote on there. And um, I, you know, I just wanted it really simple, bare bones. And um, I recorded it at the studio in Grand Haven called Third Coast Recording. Okay. And... Um, uh, that's, uh, I'll tell that story in a sec about how I got to know them, but they're like, uh, t- like top of the line. Like these guys are really, really awesome. And, um, they, uh, sponsored this event called walk the beat mm-hmm. in Grand Haven, which is this awesome festival that, um, gets so many musicians out and they raise a lot of money to donate to, um, uh, school music programs for kids. Um, Anyway, uh, their studio is really awesome. The the owner Bill Chrysler worked with uh, John Mayer. Oh and, yeah, um, he's done a whole lot of stuff, and um, it, it was just a really cool experience to like um, go into a studio and actually record something that way. Um, because if I were trying to do it on my own, which I'm currently right. doing right now, it's just an endless project that, um, like, when I feel like it's right. Um, then it's not quite right. Yeah. And um, it's good to have an outside producer who's able to, you know, help you along. I mean, when it's your own baby, it's hard to, um, you know, make decisions on that or decide when it's done or, you know, stop changing it. And mm -hmm. so to have somebody who's like, hey, how about trying to like that? And just being able to get to a conclusion or a finish line on it, I'm sure that there's, you know, that, that provides a big benefit for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would recommend it to anybody who's who's recording something or, you know, to at least, I mean, I feel like the world is definitely shifting more to home recording. I mean, the technology is there. Anybody can just, you know, pick up something and, and do their own recording. But, yeah. uh, you know, like I said, it's good to have like another set of eyes and ears. And Exactly. Uh, I would totally like recommend going to a studio at least one time in your life yeah. just to get that experience and then bring it back to whatever whatever it is that's concocting, you know? Right. Well, you got your guitar with you. You want to play a song? Uh, sure. All right, cool. I'd love to. I noticed that uh, beautiful Martin acoustic guitar, well played, too. You know, you got uh, the, the, uh, uh, the strum marks on it, yeah. <laughs> so you go, you go pretty heavy. <laughs> um, yeah, this um, this guitar has seen 
seen a lot. Uh, it's probably seen over 500 <laughs> shows. Really? So I wow. like. I need to go back and try to count them. But um, uh, this is the guitar that I used on uh, my 100-day brew tour, where I played at 100 breweries in 100 days. Wow, wow. And, um, and it definitely shows because it uh, it's very scarred. Yeah. <laughs> uh, come a little closer to that mic, I think. <laughs> cool um oh, that, yeah that's good well uh this is uh this is a newer song that i wrote um about this time last year it's called connecting the dots all right down you seem to raise me up like an elevator between heaven and hell you're the salt of the earth and the sugar in my cup and i know i want to see your face again Seven miles to get to your front door No distance can keep me away There's events around the corner Across the borderline And I know I want to boogie down with you Whoa, whoa awesome that was a lot of fun how cool <laughs> uh, that fun. that's uh you know we got a real bluegrass feel to it i mean i don't know if that's your intention i mean i hate to you know put things into a genre because everybody's got their own style you know but yeah. uh that uh, you know the guitar playing and the, the fun singing and that was really terrific i that's well, i appreciate it thanks I don't know if I've, uh, I must have, I think I heard you play many years ago, but I'm pretty sure it was a cover. 
So to hear you play like an original song like that and uh, that and understanding that that's, you know, kind of how you play and what you play. That that was great. Thanks. Very, appreciate it. Uh, so uh, you're a bluegrass fan, it sounds like. <laughs> I, I do really appreciate bluegrass and I I've been getting more and more into it yeah me too like it's coming around it's uh it's definitely it's, i mean i know it's, you know, it's jerry was a big jerry garcia was a big oh, grew glass bluegrass <laughs> fan and he played on the side you know with dave grisman and and that whole group uh, but you know that was like that was kind of the end of it it's like oh jerry's got this side and then there's the grateful dead but uh, I feel like it's it's gotten a resurgence, and there's newer bands out there. I mean, Billy Strings, he is that's bluegrass, that's straight up bluegrass, and that dude is awesome. I saw him last weekend, and oh, no way. oh my god, I was blown away. Like that was just it, tip he of your puts toes, on something that takes you out of this world. <laughs> yes, yeah, and his well, he was with a full band there, well, not a full band, but he had a fiddle player and a. Uh, stand-up bass player and um, a, a mandolin player. Right. Um, let me think. I think that might have been it. But, you know, no drums, no and, – and the bass player was just carrying that, that uh, line. But, oh, my God, just, you know, just standing up there and just nonstop. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> There's something about seeing that live, too. That oh, yeah. I, I don't think it translates that well to recordings. I'm I mean, just going to say it that, does, you know? but it, I mean, there's nothing, nothing like standing there and like feeling that, that, oh yeah, bass just driving in you. <laughs> and then especially the guitar. Yes. Like, right. Exactly. Well, you know, the guitar sort of carries the melody, but the bass just, you know, that, that handles the whole down, you know, down low part, you know, the drum, the percussion, the, yeah. um, the, the, you know the bass part but um i mean really how the whole bluegrass idea is kind of like building i mean essentially building a drum kit with with your acoustic stringed instruments ah okay and <laughs> how the bass you know is essentially the kick drum uh-huh. and then the mandolin as as the hi-hat doing the the right the right the guitar oh, and everything wow. else just filling in the space Oh, I never thought about it like that. I like that approach. Yeah. When you play, do you, you know, play with uh, other guys that are playing like that or um yeah? Okay. Yeah. I mean, um it's um you know, who are it, some, like who do you play with like that? Some uh some of my buddy, I mean, I got I, I feel like I got a, a network of people um like a lot in the Grand Rapids area uh-huh. and um up in Marquette, Michigan. Oh yeah, that's and um, we. Uh, I mean, especially in Grand Rapids, my my good buddy and uh, uh, roommate um, for the past couple of years, uh, Jordan Elliott. Um, he uh, he writes songs, but he like he's been telling me he's like Jack. I want to be a drummer, man. <laughs> <laughs> so he's been playing drums, and um, uh, we've played a couple a couple different gigs together. And what what's special about it is that you know, we're really like listening to each other and, you know, we're, we're trying to create something together instead of just like playing in our corners and then trying to play at the same time. We're right. really trying to cultivate something, um, natural together and something that's fun for like, not just us, but for everybody that we're playing to. 
Um, and uh, man, and one of my other, um, one of my best friends, uh, Wesley Shuck, um, he's a bass player and um, he, uh, you know, he's been getting, he's been playing for a bluegrass band called the Water Street Wranglers. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah are they from around here though? I mean, I know they've played around here. They were yeah, playing in um, livery. And... I think they did the Acorn. Yeah, they did yeah, the Acorn last the... summer. Uh-huh. And uh, were you at that show? I was not at that one, unfortunately. But uh, I saw Henhouse Prowlers there. Yeah. And um, and I know Full Chord came to the area. I think they were at the livery. Um, yeah. And I, I, many years ago, I saw a band, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. You ever heard of those oh, guys? Yeah. They're great. They're from Wisconsin. Ooh, uh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're. Uh, you didn't know they were from Wisconsin, or no? I didn't oh, know they but were you'd from heard Wisconsin. of them. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're uh, they're really they're great. And when I was talking about the recording part of it, uh, this is something I heard from. I think it was Bella Fleck. Has he come out with a recent? Yeah. So he was talking about this on a, some podcast that um, instead of you know having the studio set up in the traditional. Uh, uh, recording way where everyone's mic'd up and all that. Uh, most um, bluegrass, when it's played live, everyone's playing around one mic. Yeah. And and they all like kind of rush up to the mic, and when it's their turn, that's just what uh, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades does. And they just make it look so fun. But Yeah. Um, so uh, Bella Fleck um, was very conscious of that, and so when he recorded his bluegrass album, he... Uh, he really made sure that that it sort of faded in and out based on who was playing, you know, and uh, makes a lot of sense. And I think that makes a difference. But I don't think Absolutely. most bluegrass albums are recorded like that. And so that's why, you know, you don't always hear it the same way that you would in person. Yeah, um, I completely agree with that. And it's almost like, I mean, using a microphone like that in itself is almost like playing another instrument. Yeah. And you're just learning how to play that microphone. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, with, um, you know, some of your live stuff, uh, do you ever play with any uh, fiddle players? Because that is often a big part of bluegrass, too. And now that, you know, you get the viola back out, you know, that you can try to incorporate that if there were two of you, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, that's, uh, that's kind of the cool thing with the looper. Um, cause, uh, like over COVID, like I was, I, I was doing these live streams and I was like, okay, I got all the time in the world so I can set up every instrument that I want. Oh, cool. And, um, I, um, so I bring out my, my, uh, bass, uh, that I took the frets off. So I got a fretless bass and, um, I did bust out the viola for a couple gigs and, um, it, you know, it was, um, I feel like it, there, there's a lot of things that I like to improve with the setup. Cause there's a, you know, there's a stand you could get for the bass instead of having to put it back on and take it off. Uh -huh. then, um, I guess like the logistics of how fast you can switch to those <laughs> instruments is pretty, right. it's pretty um, it's something to be conscious about. And, um, I, I want to be able to like set up some more gigs and do that again. But I lately I've just been, uh, um, comfortable with the small setup and it's super quick right. and I'm like, okay, ready to rock and roll and blast off with what I got. Um, but as far as, uh, playing with fiddle players, um, there was this gig that we had, um, uh, back in like August or something like that. It was at retro boat rentals in Sagatuck. 
I'd never been there before, and it's this awesome like bar and boat rental place, huh. like right on Saskatchewan River. What a combo! <laughs> and they rent out these giant like life ring donut shaped boats, <laughs> and you can just go trolling around on the river and all that stuff, and it is just super cool. And um, I was booked. Um, like I thought I was um, opening for. Uh, uh, my friend uh, Ryan Ryan Clark, and he's got a band called The Ryan Experience. So I thought I was opening for him, but I get a call that day, and the guy's like, "Hey, uh, well, no, I get a call from Ryan. He <laughs> calls me, and he's like, "Hey, man, um, I'm not going to be able to make this gig, but everyone else in my band is going to be there. Um, so <laughs> you're, you, like you, you got it right. And I'm like, yeah. What? <laughs> Play all his songs and. <laughs> um, so, um, I uh, you know uh, the drummer I was talking about, Jordan, um, and another friend of ours, Jerry, um, who's a nut, like he's just a, an amazing musician. He was playing bass. Um, we just finished up some gigs from that weekend, and I was like, "Hey, um, you guys want to do a band set for for?" this thing that's kind of being thrown together right now. And they were like, yeah. So they came out and, um, um, our, uh, Ryan's a keyboard player. Who's a friend of mine. Um, um, Oh my God. Why is his name? Kyle, Kyle Coon. Oh my God. He's, he is amazing. And, uh, he brought out this little synth and, um, our one, another mutual friend of ours named Connor, is strictly a viola player um so we had a five piece just thrown together right on the spot and it was it was some hot hot funk music that we were that we were pulling that is so cool and just totally went with it right when you you know just on the fly like that and what kind of songs did you end up playing i mean you had to play songs that everyone knew uh, unless you did just pure improvisation but did you start out with like just songs you all knew and then, and then worked on those and yeah. Um, you know, we did a lot of, um, we did some Paul Simon, um, earth, wind and fire and, um, you know, a couple whole range. Yeah. There's a, a, yeah. Whole, a whole lot of everything. And we even did, um, uh, we did this like surf rock version of time by pink Floyd. Oh, and we just took, we took a whole lot of, you know, everything that we knew and we were like, okay, let's try to flip it over um, into a completely different genre. And, um, of course a lot of grateful dead, but, um, uh, or, uh, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, that was like a super cool gig and, um, and, uh, Ryan experience is, um, like an awesome, awesome group of folks. <laughs> and, uh, Ryan, uh, he just came out with a solo album and, um, yeah, I mean, he's another just amazing, amazing person and uh, musical force that's from Southwest Michigan. Good to know. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Grateful Dead, you had me on Grateful Dead. You know, I uh, I, I love the Dead. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> it, it is a little disappointing that they're. Um, you know, they announced that this is going to be their last tour and all that. So they say. <laughs> so well, so they say, but also. You know, every one of them has plenty of other things going on. I mean, first of all, Bob Ware is never going to stop playing. And he's, uh, you know, he's just playing stronger and stronger. And now he's playing, you know, doing this thing with the Wolf Brothers, you know, Jay Lane. And um, uh, I forgot who else he's, oh, Don Was on drums. 
Um, and, and, you know, I just don't see that these guys are ever really going to be done. They might not be in the same format as Dead and Company, but they're all going to be playing, you know, together here and together there and um, doing their own individual things. So it's not going away for sure. But I'd, And who knows? Maybe Phil Lesh will get back in the swing of things. I mean, it was just kind of funny that they were like, Oh, Phil doesn't want to go on this tour in 2016. I guess uh, he's out of the, you know he's not going to be doing this with us. Yeah. But he's been going strong himself. Absolutely. You know? And that guy, what is he like? He's close to 80, I want to say, Phil. And I remember seeing him when they were touring as further. So this is you know prior to the Fare Thee Well thing, and probably closer to 2010 or 12. And uh, it must. It was at Northerly Island in Chicago. Have you ever gone? Have you ever gone Ooh. there? Uh, no, it's this yet. beautiful outside venue um, uh, where Miggs Field used to be uh, in Chicago. Miggs Field. Well, uh, you know, it used to be this airport um, right outside of the city that they tore apart um, oh. when nine eleven happened. So since then, they've made it like a nature preserve and all that. But then they put up this stage, sort of at the at the mouth of the peninsula where this airport was. Wow. And um, that's Northerly Island. Anyway, so they were, Further was playing there, which included Phil and uh, basically everyone but Jerry, I think. I, I think both the drummers were there and Bobby and, um, and then Phil on bass. And I uh, forgot who was playing guitar with them. Anyway... The thing about it was, you know, Phil Lesh has, uh, doesn't have his own liver. You know, he had a liver transplant. I don't know if you knew that. I, I think I've heard something about that. <laughs> so it's 95 degrees, so hot, you know, and, and uh, I was in the pit. And, and all I could think was, you know, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm physically uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm here. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. And how could I even complain? Phil Lesh doesn't even have his own liver, you know, and he's yeah. up there playing strong. So, <laughs> He's sweating more than anybody yeah, up here. That's right. <laughs> if anybody needs to take a little break and sit down, it would be Phil Lesh, and he's not. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, I mean, maybe I'd love to see something like that. I know Bobby and uh, Phil did, like, a tour together, um, I want to say, like, 2018 or so. Oh, so, they did? Yeah, just hmm. the two of them. Um, and they just got up there and, you know, just kind of did, like, a little... I want to say acoustic. I don't. I don't remember them having much of a band, but it was, uh, it was great shows. Um, That's awesome. So that dead music is not going away, and uh, and a lot of the dead music is other people's music. Some of the best covers of the that dead perform are Bob Dylan songs. Yeah, uh, I love their versions of uh, you know Desolation Row and uh, that. I did. Maggie's I didn't know Fun. that um, New Minglewood Blues is actually like a really old jug band. Song. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I know. There's all kinds of stuff like that where uh, you know they're like traditional songs or stuff like that. New Minglewood, yeah. And uh, Cold Rain and Snow, that's another bluegrass song. Uh-huh. And um, man, I mean, really, like their their first album. I mean, it's a hot album. Like the like Working Man's Dead or what, what's their no, first one? No, they're um, um, I think it could just be called Grateful Dead. Okay, and uh, just their debut album, and it has songs like um, uh, Beat It On Down the Line and Cream Puff Four. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, oh man, I mean, like a lot of really great songs. Was Pigpen uh, on that one? Was he still around for that? Yeah, yeah, he was. I think that was. 
um, I mean, that was like their debut. So oh, yeah. So obviously, definitely yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, sitting on top of the world, too, is another oh, good yeah, one. That yeah. version of sitting on top of the world is just fire. It's straight fire. Yeah. yeah. Have you heard that one with uh, Dave off of the Dave Grisman, um, uh, Jerry Garcia album? Or one of their, you know, songs that they they did sitting on the top on top of the world. That was uh it was know, one of theirs too. I, I've listened to the pizza tapes. Oh the yeah, pizza that's tapes right. Tapes are that's what got me hooked yeah. on, uh, on all that, and then uh, finding out about Olden in the way. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of learning that story and like how. Um, I mean, I because I think the dead um they took their their hiatus from like 75 to 76 or something like something that. like that. Yeah. And then that's when Jerry just got a chance to play with them. A just little bit could more not and... control himself. He just, you know, he's, you know, when he was around, he also couldn't just sit around. Like yeah. he, he had his guitar on his, uh, you know, on his knee all day long, you know? Um, yeah. Did you ever see that movie? Um, Grateful dog with, uh, Dave Grisman. And I think Justin Kreutzman even, um, even directed it. Huh. Uh, you know, um, Bill no, Kreutzman's I... son is a, uh, a movie producer uh, I did not or know director. That. He's act- and so they're doing a biopic on uh, Jerry Garcia now. And, and, uh, um, uh, Justin Kreutzman is, is the director of the movie. Um, so <laughs> man, um, that, that he doesn't have anything to do with the Jonah Hill, uh, yes, that Jerry, that is right? one. That oh. is the one. Yeah. Oh man, and it's called Grateful Dog. No, that no, no, no. That's this two different. Uh, Grateful Dog is a, um, bi- a biography uh, documentary, I should say, um, t- produced by um, Justin Kreisman or directed by him. And uh, you know, it's just all interviews and stuff. Uh, Jerry's already dead by this point, so just you know, um, archival videos and stuff, and yeah. and. Um, recordings and um uh but uh dave grisman is pretty prominent in that one that's that movie grateful dog and then there's a an actual um album um based on that movie or you know with the songs from the movie but the new one with jonah hill well obviously not out yet but uh yeah jonah hill's gonna be uh jerry garcia that it'll be interesting (laughs) i know i can't (laughs) wait to see how he does it because Jonah Hill is very talented, and to see him, um, you know, as Jerry Garcia, I think is going to be quite exciting. Yeah, <laughs> and looking forward I to mean, that. really, I think the story of Jerry. I mean, like, um, you know, I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of ups, but I mean, like, it's there's like a lot of like real shit just going on, in like in his life between. Um, um, like how how his hand came his to be. His brother chopped and, off his finger. <laughs> and um, uh, his uh, father um, dying when he yeah. was young. And, um, you know, I mean, like, I'm really curious to, like, see how, how that story is yeah. going to be portrayed yeah. on, a, on a screen. Because, I mean, um, you know, I mean, like, as much as the sunshine and roses that, that everybody else knows, right. you know, I mean, like... Um, for I mean, for all the band too. I mean, like that's got to be the hardest thing to be on the road. Like, to, like to have to be on the road, right? Because there's such a big demand for for the music and what you do. You know. Yep. Right. The early '90s was was like the most success for them and the the most 
uh, difficult for them. I mean, they were like, you know, they couldn't stop touring. And then they'd, they'd do these shows and there would be more people in the parking lot not getting in <laughs> than there were actually in the, you know, arena or whatever. And they were all arenas. I mean, it yeah. was... Um, it was a madhouse. It was it was hard to go to those shows. I mean, I took a little time off because it was just overwhelming to go to those shows where there were just too many people and like uh, you know, it wasn't even about the music anymore. People just wanted to be there for the scene and it was it was bad. So, yeah, but, but what a difficult thing that must have been for them, you know, they're just like trapped in this I think Jerry felt like kind of trapped in this uh, role that he had and he, you know, and people are looking to him for guidance and he's like, Whoa, I'm not the leader here, but he yeah. was, you know, it was, uh, I'm sure that they're going to get into that. That was, uh, that was a big part of, uh, you know, some of his, his later years for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. He was only 53 when he died. I mean, that seems pretty, I mean, especially That's since young. Yeah. Yeah. It's very young. Retrospect. It's, it's, what is it? 28 years since he died. I mean, a lot has happened with, uh, with, you know, all these uh, the guys from the dead since then, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how, um, I mean, I remember when the fairly well shows were going on and, um, I, I mean, I hadn't been to a show yet and I like, I just heard like everything about him and how amazing they were. And um, and how that was like the fifty year mark of um, right of their their I, music and existence. And yeah, it's like I don't I don't think there's any other band that's been around and been performing together for fifty years. I mean, maybe not consecutively, but um, well, the Rolling a, Stones and I mean there there yeah. have there are bands that have, but uh, not in the same way. I think you know. Um, Although the great, the Rolling Stones and the Who and, uh, you know, they have and I don't think the Who's really done a lot of creating since then, whereas, you know, Rolling Stones have and, uh, you know, the dead were were producing new songs um, up until, you know, Jerry's death, at least. But I don't think they've come out with a lot of new stuff since then. They're just, you know, kind of playing their own stuff, which is great mm-hmm. um, because, you know, their whole thing is taking the song and then, you know, taking it places and imp- improvising and, and going off on those tangents. And that's the, that's the big part of it. It's magical. So when you were talking about the albums, I was like, Oh, I don't even know any of their albums. Cause it was all like bootlegs. Like we all listened to bootlegs growing up yeah. and, and now <laughs> yeah. you can, you know, find the whole, uh, the whole concert uh, online and streaming and stuff like that. That's um, I mean, like that. I I feel like uh, the internet should definitely be abused in every which way to you know to suck all that up. And um, you know, I mean, um, uh, you know what you said about the bootlegs and all that stuff. Those are like, I feel like there's so many of those that probably aren't even on the internet. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And um, and if they are, they probably sound different too. And um, you know, I feel like, I mean, like. For for any artist, but um, particularly like, like the Grateful Dead or like any any other like live performing band, I feel like that is just such a cool kitsch way for um, for them to distribute their music, whether it's like streaming it like online or something like that, um, or just somebody um, like taking a recording of like the whole thing. You know, I mean that that is just such a cool way to to like promote your music and. Um, 
Uh, right. I think that's something to that every, every musician is striving for, you know, like yeah. they're just trying, they're, they're, um, uh, playing and hoping to be, hoping to be recorded. And, um, I've had a couple times where like, I'll, I'll like, I'll set up a recorder somewhere and like, I won't tell anybody. And then that, like the whole night will go on and I'll forget that it's even recording. And then we listen back to it the next day and we're like, holy cow, <laughs> like, this just happened and we got it. That <laughs> no. is cool. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you don't even realize what it sounds like when you're at, you know, doing it yourself and then to, uh, or, you know, in a, in a public setting, like, you know, if, when you're recording it and then to hear it back later. Uh, yeah, that whole history of, of um, bootlegs and stuff, they were like the only band that were, you know, I shouldn't say only, but, you know, they were, a li- they were one of the limited bands that would let people record. Yeah. And I, th- I think it was just kind of like, you know, fine, we'll let them record. But um, every other band was out there, um, making money uh, off of their albums, you know? Mm-hmm. So they, they'd spend a lot of time creating albums and then they would actually go tour to promote the album. Well, it doesn't work like that anymore, as you probably know. Yeah. And that the, uh, the albums are like a teaser for the concerts. So the Dead were really sort of ahead of that game, not on purpose, I'm sure, but, you know, they had to tour because that's the only way they were making money. They weren't really making money off of their albums. Yeah. So as part of that, they, you know, would just spread the word with uh, allowing people to, you know, ish, do these bootlegs and and uh, get them out there. But, uh, you know, now and who knew that they were also doing soundboard recordings of all these that they then went back. Um, you know, there's this David Lemieux guy and I think there's another guy um, in the Grateful Dead family who right. archived all this stuff and. And, um, you know, mixed them or cleaned them up or whatever. And, and now they've got, you know, Dick's Picks, that whole series and yeah. the, the download series. And, um, you know, then you get to hear really good versions of, of what was essentially bootlegs. There's, I mean, there's still more. I mean, like, I got this app called Relisten that has oh, yeah. dozens upon dozens of shows from so many bands. Um, but... Uh, even like Spotify and Apple Music, like I'll see a new um, Live Dead album that come, right. that just came out, and it's, I mean, it it just has that. It still has that energy from when it was played, and uh, it's really it's really inspiring too. You know, yeah. I mean, like to be able to to listen to something like that, and um, and then bring it back into like your own experiences with that with like the music that they play because it you know i mean it's different every time but there's still that that energy and that that or at least for me like like i feel like there's just something bigger happening than the music at the time so what and, are you doing with your um the the, the shows that you're recording are you uh putting them out there you put them on your website or uh anything like that that um a couple of them um are are out on um uh, SoundCloud, um, there's a whole, there's a whole little section, um, uh, with, uh, my buddies from Marquette, we, we called ourselves Le Marquette Quartet. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, that was, you know, that was just really like a, a big soundbite of uh, like all this fun that we had in one week. 
And um, we got a gig on the fly at uh, the ski hill that was up there. Um, and we, we played there, and then we, um, uh, we just had these ideas to throw a couple parties too and we uh we recorded all that and there was just a lot of like really cool music that came out of it um so uh and then you know of course like so immediately after that covid hits oh and, right um so i just had all this time to like edit it and make it cool make it kind of like the best bits of all that and put it on up there and um there was another band I was playing bass for called Van Tassel's Uncanny Elixir. Wow, and that sounds fun. So you play bass too? Mm -hmm. Stand-up bass? Uh, no, just, uh, just um, uh, guitar electric bass. bass. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, one day, one of these days. I'm gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> that just looks too fun. Well, that sounds like a really cool sounding band name. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, like it was, it was fun. Um, uh, the the singer and um, uh, he's a friend of mine, Gavin Brown. Um, and he, he, I, he's one of my favorite writers from Michigan and, um, he writes in a, in a Baroque rock kind of style. Mm. And, um, we, we really kind of clicked it off cause we were hanging around the same places and, um, uh, he wanted to get a band together. So, um, I started playing bass with him and I'd be singing harmonies and we had a really, we had a really good mix going on. And, um, one of the shows, uh, we played at the box factory in St. Joe and I recorded that. And, um, and then later over COVID I made this little animation of like a cat, um, like popping out of a box and like eating a bird and then like going back in the box. So I made this little animation to like pair with the music and, um, wow. uh, so that's out on YouTube. Oh, that's fun. All right. Well, um, we're getting close here, and I do want to oh, hear another I, song. I didn't even realize there was I know, time. I know, me too. Back. I went on that rant about the Grateful Dead, but it's hard to... Yeah, I'm always down <laughs> yeah, to come back and too. do another <laughs> But I wanted to find out, uh, so you play as St. Joe Jack. Yes. Uh, and then um, you, uh, what are some of the other bands that you uh, go out at as? Um, I mean, right now, um, you can... Uh, you. If you search St. Joe Jack, that's kind of the main okay. hub, the main way to find um, me and whatever I'm up to. And lately, um, um, you know, I've been putting together a couple three pieces and that uh, that one five piece that happened over the summer. That's going to happen again soon. Um, that does sound fun. Yeah. When you find that that magic, you know, connection, it's like you just want to keep making it happen. Yeah. Um but uh so that's so you have a website too let's uh make sure that that gets what's your website uh the website is saint com. okay uh, <laughs> all, all lowercase saint joe jack all right and then uh instagram or facebook or uh there's links on the website okay and that um that's also how you find it on on facebook and instagram too oh good um okay. so it's uh it's all out there and um i'm playing just about every weekend yeah, so uh, this is going to air the twenty uh, seventh. Uh, what is you know what stuff you have coming up after that? Um, the twenty seventh, that is Halloween weekend. Um, I'm going to be playing at the local poor in oh, Sawyer. Oh, cool! All right, um, I'll be there. Love that place on the 29th, I think. Um, that Saturday. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm stoked for that. And then later, um, I'm playing a, like a Halloween party later on that night. 
um, private party. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, a, uh-huh. a costume party. It's at it's at the Moose Lodge. Ooh, I didn't know there was a Moose Lodge. But somebody, is this in uh, downtown St. Joe? It's in Benton Harbor. Oh, okay. I think Rybells used to be an Elk Lodge. That's what it was. Oh, the Elks. Yeah, not the Moose Lodge. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so um, you know. So okay, those two. I it sounds like you've got like something like. Each weekend, twice a weekend, most of the time. At least, that's, yeah. That's strong. And, and you must be the one who goes out and, and uh, gets all these gigs. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all on, on me. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> do, you, um, do you often play solo or do you um, uh, play with like one or two other people in addition to the bands? Um, most, most of the time it is a solo and um, like maybe once – in a blue moon, I'll be asked to to back somebody up, or um, you know, or I'll I'll need a band to accompany me, or like we'll just put together like something completely cool. Completely it's good new. to have that network of people that you can do that with, and that you you can trust that they're you know going to be the musicians that you need in a particular situation. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, I mean, a, most. Of, I mean, I'm kind of a great community for that around here. I'm between so many places right now. It's kind of hard to get folks together. So it's oh um, right. Um, but now more than ever, I feel like there. You know, um, there's just a really awesome community um, between all these places, and I'm just trying to link them all together. And um, I think the main goal is that I'd I'd like to like host a festival or something like that and bring oh, everybody yeah. out. That's fun. That sounds cool. Well, uh, while you're getting your guitar, let me, uh, give the closing little, uh, stuff I got to do. Uh, you're listening to Johnny secret stash. I'm John <laughs> Goldman and uh, I'm here with Jack Adams, also known as St. Joe Jack. And, uh, you're listening to us on radio Harbor country. That's one Oh six point seven FM out of three Oaks, WRHC and WRHZ. 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And we're in the beautiful Sawyer, Michigan studios. Much nicer than the Three Oaks one. <laughs> I know you didn't I see it. I would know. This is a beautiful place. <laughs> it is, it's a good setup, yeah. All right, and here's uh, here's Jack closing us out. What what song are we going to hear? Um, well, I could end on a high note. <laughs> Let's do Which it. I feel like it's the only way to go. Um, <laughs> this song is called Alligator Eyes. All right. Say it always drive me mad and it's always worth it.
Thanks for having me on the show, Jan.